Hello and welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers uh, take a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about and uh, look at it. I feel like I had this nailed for like two episodes and then ever since it's just been like right back downhill. Um, We talk about pop culture stuff uh, and you probably don't care about it, but we talk about it. So uh, my name is Tyler. I'm the host. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts and brothers, Brian. How's it going, everybody? And Jeffrey. Hey, how you guys doing today? I'm good. It is warm and humid and all kinds of different temperatures over here in Portland, Oregon. Um, Brian, I don't know if you're experiencing similar temperature fluctuations over there in Vancouver, Washington. Docs and everybody. Yeah, we yeah uh, we were anticipating rain today. We seeded our our front and backyard to try to get our lawns to look better and now it's a bright sunshiny day so we got the windows open and i don't know i'll have to go water the grass i guess yeah it's humid it's it's a interesting temperature situation going on here uh jeff how's uh the bay area doing uh bay area's fine i'm looking out at a bright blue (laughs) sunny day still there huh yes oh well look at that um jeff you've been uh traveling a bit right recently uh not too far recently um these last couple weeks have been grounded but i do have a trip to la and then san diego and then san diego and then phoenix and then uh all over the west coast huh yeah and moving east eventually so yeah it's exciting stuff cool well uh we're just gonna go ahead and get started on the topic this week this week um anybody who's been listening to this podcast knows that i have not ever seen the uh, Matrix sequels and uh, this week that changed Uh, it was a Matrix heavy week for me I watched Matrix Reloaded Matrix Revolutions and all of the Animatrix all in like a four day period Um, so we're going to talk about the Matrix today Uh, I had some questions that I posed to my brothers the other day and I did some reading and uh, I have I have thoughts. Um, so real quick before we do that, let's do some just generalized thoughts on like the Matrix sequels, maybe. Um, they're widely derided by people. People don't like them as much. I think that they've they've kind of like followed the path of the prequels in recent years where people are kind of like apologize, you know, coming back and being like, maybe they weren't so bad. Maybe they did present some good ideas. Where are you guys at with them? How did like when you first saw them versus how you feel about them now? I think that's exactly how I felt the first time. It's like, what the hell is all this stuff that's going on? Like, the the first movie felt like it was really good as a standalone storyline, and then they started going into this broader universe. And I think I definitely felt that way initially. I've seen it, them a couple of times over the years, and I definitely, on rewatches, feel a lot better about the movies. I think there's there's really interesting stuff that they get into. Um, and it's just really cool to kind of see them expand on, you know, the concept of these like machines being like, like, I guess it wasn't until the later movies that you understand why uh, the machines like were so able to like take over and how this all happened in the first place. Cause the machines are so smart. And so like, you know, fleshed out as a, like a, you know, uh, sentient being that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I get it. They're like, this is like a crazy, I don't know, like, like mechanical, what would you call it? Uh, not organism, but like, 
I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like a high mind. Con- yeah, conscience that like very clearly is strategic and you know powerful, and you're like, okay, I get how sh- everything went to shit, and like you didn't really get that in the first one because you spend most of your time in the matrix. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, Jeff, how did how did you feel about them then versus how you feel now? And have you watched them multiple times? Yeah, so I've watched them all multiple times. I mean, I was pretty young when the first uh, Matrix movie came out, but. Um, yeah, you would have been like five when that first one came out. I remember watching it and, uh, at a young age, and I remember not thinking, like, I don't remember the first one making a ton of sense. So when I watched the sequels, I, don't, I didn't care much. Like, they were on the same level. It was just cool action, like, and mind bending physics, and a shitty plot line. Is, is kinda, uh, what I was had come to expect from my experience with the first one, so I didn't wasn't bothered very heavily by the sequels. Um, yeah, I, you didn't have I, as much wrapped up in like the universe when I you mean, saw the sequels, so they kind of just washed over you, I guess. Probably, I was definitely fully aware of the effect that the film had on pop culture because as soon as that movie came out, it was fucking everywhere. Yeah, um, bullet time became like this, like the staple of the action film genre like slow-mo i mean Zack snyder's whole career has to be based on like the success of the matrix because of how much he uses like the same special effects um bullet time can you explain that so they created a camera rig that um was basically instead of being capturing motion digitally it was like analog so it was taking like a million pictures a second right not obviously that's an exaggeration but it was taking a lot of pictures a second and it was on a rig that moved around so when you put played those images um you know at, at a normal speed it looked in slow motion and they were able to move around the person right so like all those times where um, like Trinity jumps in the air and it gets really slow and the camera is moving. That didn't exist until the Wachowskis and the cinematographer that they worked with on the first Matrix film invented it. Um, mm. So it was created for that. And then it's, you know, now it's just used everywhere, right? And it it's widely, like, you know, um, it was referenced in a lot of things. You know, Charlie's Angels did some scenes with that kind of stuff. Um they uh shrek had a moment another that's two cameron diaz movies in a row actually but yeah um yeah i don't know um austin powers had stuff with it Uh, everybody kind of was referencing it because it was such a revolutionary thing and it was really cool at the time and i and i i would say that in that first movie it's used to such a what good effect that like it's still stand like it's it's just incredible you know it's really amazing that they were able to do that um so yeah they call it bullet time it it allows the camera to move at a normal speed but everything else to be slow motion if that makes sense does that does it make sense it makes sense cool um yeah and again that just didn't exist until um they created it and it's it's absolutely amazing um sorry jeff go ahead i mean even further than that i mean uh hand-to-hand fight scenes was something that was kind of a novelty in specific genres up until that point i would say like it was, i can't think of a lot of films outside of like uh cheap action films like stallone and and uh um i don't know the other the other action schwarzenegger heroes, and van damme right, and all that where i mean it was, it was that you saw like hand-to-hand fighting and this one kind of took it down to more of a um 
standard actors level where anyone could do choreography it seemed yeah but also to like a science right like they they implemented like kung fu and other types of martial arts in a way like you know a lot of those 80s 90s action movies it was like the choreography wasn't very it wasn't very acrobatic or or good to watch it was just like two guys slugging each other and they would capture it from like a couple different angles like this was straight up like hong kong style like two men in a dojo kicking and punching and blocking and doing all of these like you know martial arts moves that were it was really you know that that also changed you know what i mean like the marvel movies owe a lot of their action the way that they do their hand-to-hand fight scenes that all comes from the matrix right like before that the mate like before the matrix one came out like nobody was doing that kind of stuff except for you know hong kong cinema and japanese cinema was doing more martial arts focused um things and they brought that sort of like kung fu um action fight stuff to you know mainstream basically right right um yeah so um did you have any other thoughts there jeff sorry i kept jumping yeah i mean no i just uh it's just my own personal experience with the the matrix i mean i i didn't hate the sequels as much as uh others did when they came out sure they felt they felt to be somewhat on par for me yeah so i will go ahead and give my thoughts having not ever seen them for the last what 20 years and then watching them all in a in a in a a four-day period um i think that they were fine I i feel like they were unnecessary i think that they expanded the world too much you know what i mean like it almost like i needed more explanation for certain things um because it was just it was so much information and so so all of a sudden it goes from like this like okay this guy's living in a simulation these people aren't they rescue him from the simulation he goes in to try to save more people or whatever right um to uh all of a sudden it's like oh yeah all of these people are actually programs that were created by the machines to sort of police the matrix and also some of the programs actually created the matrix and then other programs they created to be so human that now they're trying to fight the matrix themselves and it was just sort of like what the fuck is going (laughs) i get why people struggled with it so much because i'm sitting there watching it and being like this is so much this is it's too much to be honest it's just it's so much information that it's oh it is it's overwhelming you know i could only imagine being if i had seen it when i was you know 12 and 13 when the you know the sequels came out that i would have I would not have been able to grasp, wrap my head around it. You know, even being 31 now, I, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I fully understood it. And so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it today is to kind of like pick your guys' brains about some of the, the pieces that are in it. Um, well, Hey, before you, you do that, I think it's, it's worth mentioning that I took a knock or I took a swing at, um, Tenet, that Chris Nolan movie for, what I felt like when you're watching a movie, you shouldn't have to Google an explanation to understand what just happened. Like to some extent you should be able to just pick it up by watching the film. If you, if you look at a different Chris Nolan movie, like inception inception, you kind of just get it when you watch the movie the first time you're like, wow, that's a really interesting concept and you can do further reading to understand it more and dive into the concept even further and go, Whoa, Tenant, I felt like I had to go look it up just to understand what the hell happened. 
in like how it made sense. And that was like my big knock there. And I think the matrix suffers from that a little bit, not in the first movie, but in the sequels, right? Like the first movie, I felt like it was more inception level, like, like got the general concept and that was pretty crazy. And you can read in for furthermore, but like in the second two movies, I, I felt like, you know, it was more like, okay, wait, wait, how does that, hold on a second, who is the Merovingi guy, hold on, like, and then, like, you're Googling a bunch, and it's like, that's where I kind of got to give it a deduction for that reason, but once you can understand it, you're like, dang, that's kind of crazy. Right, and I will preface this by saying, uh, anyone here hoping to understand The Matrix super clearly is going to leave disappointed, so this is going to be a surface level, three guys in a room being like, what the fuck is is all of this um so um one of the places i think we can start is the programs right uh so at the beginning of the second one we find out that the oracle is actually a computer program she's not a human that's also in the like you know in the the system she's she's a program created by the matrix or created by the machines to kind of help build the matrix out right um that's how she's able to the way that she's able to connect to it is apparently the first iteration of the matrix was so perfect that humans started to be like what the fuck is going on here there's nothing going wrong like there's something's off because everything's too perfect our brains can't handle perfection i guess is what the idea is so the machines created the the program of the oracle who was programmed with near human emotions right so now she connects to humans and understands that what the issue is is there's no illusion of choice and the way that you create that illusion of choice is that sometimes you make the wrong choice and things go wrong um and so they started they they instituted that right they put that in um the idea of uh programs goes even further in this scene where she talks about um there can be rogue programs ones that like when a program stops working correctly or is no longer needed they get they get sent uh to the machine city to be deleted right but some refuse to be deleted and instead exist within the matrix um but uh are rogue programs and they're kind of doing whatever the fuck they want and they're creating whatever the fuck they want and all of that and that's where you get the merovingian right he's a program that was supposed to be deleted um, they never really explained what he was, what he his initial use was, um, but I mean he's a clear uh, representation of of the devil, right? Like he runs the underworld. He has a fairy. I mean he's basically Hades. I almost wonder. I his wife's name what, is Persephone. Yeah, his wife's name is Persephone. He has a he has a ferryman who works for him, which is the guy who runs the train in the the third movie. Um, so he's a rogue program. Now there are programs that are aware of the rogue programs, but are part of the initial of the system, like the architect, like and the oracle. They're part of the system, but they're aware that the Merovingian exists. Um, what you come to find out there as well is that Agent Smith has become a rogue program due to his final fight with Neo at the end of the first one, and now somehow. Neo freed him from the system and now he is a virus basically he's a rogue virus spreading himself throughout the matrix Does, is everyone following me there yeah what did that make sense to you when you first saw it because I don't know that I understood that until so I'll be I'm gonna throw out a uh, 
quick uh, big ups to somebody here. Um, I'm not quite sure. I've never seen this site before, but I came across a site called thisisberry.com, and it's just a site where they just explain confusing movies to people, and they had long write-ups about all the Matrix movies, and I read through each one individually where they kind of – they're fairly poorly written, but – they make a lot of sense. Like the like, their grammar is off and their word usage is weird. But I almost wonder if they're just from another country. I don't know. But that being said, really good breakdowns helped you kind of understand situations a little bit better. Um, so I got a lot of this information from reading those. Um, now, something else that she talks about there that I did want to bring up was uh, she talks about like, that's why there's... Um, people see werewolves or ghosts or vampires or whatever they're rogue programs that aren't working correctly anymore so <laughs> that's what the ghost guys are the twins that there's the big crazy freeway fight scene that's like 30 minutes long in the second one most they're actually the rogue programs sorry jeff what it's, it's like the most expensive or longest running fight scene or car, car chase scene in cinema or something like that yeah they built like two miles of freeway that had modular walls and corners that they could alter so that it looks like it's just a continuous freeway so they could like move these pieces and actually drive the cars like at a certain speed so that they could film it that way and then they had a bunch of stunt drivers on the freeway going both directions to f to flesh out it's crazy it's That's cool. insane yeah. yeah it's cool that they did that but also it's like what a what an interesting use of money <laughs> um uh yeah which is very funny for how much this that movie specifically gets knocked on for its overuse of special effects and like the rubber neo stuff you know um they uh for them to have spent that much money on analog filming techniques um you know, you would think that people would be more interested in that, but no, everyone just talks about, wow, when Neo turns into CGI, it's very obvious. It's jarring. It is yeah, really jarring. I think I mentioned that before you watched them. Like, oh yeah, like it's, it's super bad. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I've seen made fun of. Like, I've seen the videos of it so many times because it it does it looks silly. You know, I mean, you're talking about like what 2002 CGI. Like, it's not. It's not good. I just didn't. I, I just never really understood. I think that's something that took me out of it a little bit, and was definitely a knock because I just didn't understand why they didn't go with uh, like number one, where they just did a choreographed fight scene. Like, why do they have to do this crazy thing where he's just swinging around the pole and fighting all the agents in that courtyard where it's just so insane? Why does he know how to fly now? I don't. I like. I don't. That didn't. I don't need that. I don't need him to be wearing or to be doing that around. It looks. It's kind of silly, actually. Right, make it enough that he can like stop bullets and do some some things that you could handle. Like you don't need to add all that other stuff to make him Superman, you know. Okay, so real quick, that was something I did want to bring up. So the third one where Neo and Smith are fighting and flying about. So this is a Warner Brothers movie. It is that exact thing is what made them say, "Oh, maybe we could do a new Superman movie." So Superman doesn't come back to film unless this comes out as like sort of a proof of concept, which is kind of fun. You can see a lot of like it is very Superman when Neo and Smith are fighting at the end of number two and at the end of number three. Yeah, they're, they're like flying around each other, punching each other, punching like, each other through buildings and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, it's it's very Superman. Um, yeah, I uh, I did think that was interesting. I also thought it was. I just interesting. don't think a lot of it added to the story though. Like a lot of it was just like. Okay, so I understand that he's not really limited by the Matrix and he can do things that others can't, but 
I just feel like you could do that without, you know, in, like having to bring in stuff that straight up makes him look like a, like a Play-Doh <laughs> Neo, you know, like he just looked super waxy and terrible. Like, I'm like, you think the moment that they started to look like that when they were producing it, they'd be like, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. This looks like shit. And instead they just were like, yep, that's just going to be it. Yeah, but if they happens- just... It happens so late in the production process, Brian. Like they go through and film everything physically and say, "We'll fix it in post production," and then they get to post production and the, the actors have already moved on to the next projects. And this That's film right. has a release date set in three months, and you're like, "Well, shit!" This you're is telling the me they didn't have any examples of what it was going to come out like. They just went in blind, and then we're like, "Fuck! All right, well, I guess we're in with it." <laughs> no, they fucking yeah. knew what it was going to look like, and they accepted that shit. They made that was a choice. That was not them backed into a corner at the I last think- second. I think that they um, they had to have um, they had to have had like a proof of concept before. Yeah. They need right? to know what the, the crew's capable of before they ordered like commissioned that. There's no way they didn't know. I also think that in two thousand and two or two thousand three or whenever these movies came out, that they probably you know, that's the best special effects yeah. anyone had ever They're seen. Like, hey, it's point. better than what's out there, so people are yeah. gonna accept it. Exactly. That's that's that, what it is. It's just looking back now it looks like shit, but <laughs> Back yeah. then, I I don't really remember questioning it at the time, if I'm being fair. So, yeah, know. I think a lot of people did question it at the time because it is one of the earliest uses of like a of, of a human, fully CGI human that looks. I mean, remember what else came out in that time? Like Scorpion King. Remember how shitty The Rock looks when he's like that scorpion human rubber. Right, that pretty bad. I was gonna say, don't hate on that movie. PS One graphic. Terrible. It looks terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it's insane. Um, yeah. So, how do you guys feel about this rogue rogue program idea? I mean, it's pretty weird, but also pretty interesting. Right? I like it. I like it, but I will say this: the more I think about it, the Merovingian storyline. That's the beginning of number two, right? He gets introduced in like yeah, like maybe an hour into number two. I just remember being like what the fuck at the time but like the once you learn about it you're like dang but that's exactly what i'm referring to for like right. i had to go f- like google and, and get an explanation for it because it was kind of going over my head while it was happening and it's only once you read about it later that you're like oh that's really interesting actually you know it's yeah. kind of cool to think that this is more than just a another human in the matrix that this is a program that's pulling strings you know right i mean even this week when i watched it i was sort of like so i don't understand like it, what is what is he yeah is he, it's confusing like, the first watch you're like yeah fuck? but um, once you once you once you've read about it and you know what he is and you go back and watch it you're like this is actually low-key kind of brilliant but it just it's yeah. a it's an easy one to go right over your head and I like mean, that that whole storyline and then they they run with it later on you start meeting you start realizing all these different characters like the oracle you know that was in number one is suddenly she's not just some woman with some power like she's a program dude she's she's a part of the system and like you start to really understand that concept and it definitely opens it up a little bit you just it's just hard to understand with the way they present it right um so this is the movie where we also um i don't mean to brush over all the action scenes i do want to quickly mention that number two has the worst fighting of all of them I think that that car chase scene is like pretty interesting and pretty cool. Um, I think at the time it would have blown my mind, but um, I feel like in the first one, you really feel the punches and like the action and like the fighting. And in the second one, it felt way more rehearsed. Like it looks like they're just like kind of like flapping about and blocking punches and all kinds of stuff. It doesn't look as cool. And then they get back to the third one. And I felt like that third one 
really like you're feeling the punches again and they seem more like Dude, that first fight between him and morpheus where they're in uh in the little dojo in the simulation mm-hmm. like that's an awesome scene it's an yeah. awesome scene where they're like throwing flips off the beams and freaking blocking and punching each other and you can see it in real time and it's 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 easy to believe the scene where he, the merovingians men have him cornered in that room with all the medieval weapons on the wall it's like so it's just so heavily slow mode and like you know like he's just throwing these crazy runs on the walls and all the guys are just like flying everywhere and you're like what is this like why couldn't we have done more of this stuff that made well, it so successful say, the first time the the moment in the second film with the pole where he's like plants the pole on the ground and he starts running He's like spinning Off, it around yeah, and stuff too, and just no, whacking dude after right, dude. He, he plants the pole. I remember, and he's, and he's swinging around the pole, and he starts running as he's holding on, to running <laughs> kicking on heads. The agents, yeah, and he's just kicking them as he runs on. Them. <laughs> it's bad, he's dude. Just doing like yeah. the helicopter, and I was just like, okay, it's a little unforgettable. The, the funny thing, that it I, looks silly. When yeah. you think about the concept of that scene, even beyond just how shitty it looks, think about that scene itself. The first movie, the final battle was him versus that dude one-on-one and he was like pushed to the brink as he was learning that he's something more in the very next movie he has gotten so powerful that he's fighting like 500 of those guys and he's just kicking them in the face and like just treating them like as if fighting one of them is a total joke yeah it's like this weird like power discrepancy thing that's like it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around because i'm like wait a minute this dude was just pushing you to your limit and in the next movie it's like you're fighting five-year-olds yeah you know it's a lot like a video game where like the video game's like oh we should go in stealthy and then you just walk in like an absolute terror terrorist and just murder like a million people because your character's yeah. overpowered yeah. right but but he For shouldn't sure. be that much overpowered compared to him especially because later on we see him fighting one-on-one and pretty evenly matched again and i'm like oh, why is the, it in the third one well that's because he's he's like smith prime and he's taken over <laughs> um He's taken over the Oracle, so now he's got like the Oracle's powers and stuff. You know what I mean? Like he was the Oracle a badass fighter because I thought the fighting was kind of. I'm, I'm kind of missing. I bet it. the like, Oracle could kick some ass in her time. It's just while the cookies are baking, she'd step in the other room and practice her punches. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just not getting it. The cookies like, need why? love. You need fists. Like think about this. What? Yeah, sure, I get it. The, the he's infecting the system more, but how does that make him better in a one-on-one fight? I just don't understand how we go from them being pushed like matched up pretty evenly number one to neo molly whopping 500 of them in one fight to at the end of number three suddenly they are evenly matched again right i mean to to answer your question basically like so smith is is a program that can and that can alter the source code and when neo when he merges with neo in the first film he is able to break free of his constraints of his programming and become a rogue program that is still able to alter the source code but Neo is just a human that can also alter the source code. So they should be on evil, on even footing. Right. So 500 Smiths should be able to rip Neo's fucking head off without right. a second thought, right? Um, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's another thing that I just sort of was like, I don't really understand why. I mean, that's in the first 30 minutes of the movie that he's taking on 500 Smiths, you know? And it looks the, – the thing with the pole – was the action part that I was really struggling with that it would, it looks silly like he's hitting them and the people are acting like they're fl- they're flying through the air <laughs> and but like the pole he just he like taps them on the back and then hits the next guy on the head and like all of these people are flying through the air. it looks I get that it's supposed to be that like he's super strong and powerful now but like it looks dumb it looks really stupid um 
The yeah. concept of that fight scene doesn't make any sense either because if you think about why he's fighting Smith in any of these fights, it's to try to like beat him. But if Smith is just piling dudes in there, and he's very clearly not like trying to like you know stick his hand in Smith's chest or you know I guess vice versa, like like it just seemed like he was just out there to like flex a little bit, like check out my new powers and look how fast I can swing this pole into your face. <laughs> like yeah. it just it, there just didn't seem like a lot of intentionality there. It was just more like. Neo has embraced his powers and now he's amazing. But then they go away from that later and it just feels like that makes that scene feel super cheap. You know, I also do yeah. sort of question um, Smith's mentality on some of the uh, – on some of, in the sequels. You know what I mean? In the first one, it's like he, his prime directive is to stop people from questioning reality or trying to get out of the Matrix. And if they do, then he kills them or he stops them, right? Like that's his – Programming. He's a defense system. Right. So, but once he escapes that, I, I guess I just, I'm like, I don't understand, like, what, why does he have this vendetta against Neo? Like, I don't get what his, what, do you have a thought, Brian? Well, I'm trying to remember. I thought it was because he saw Neo's his way out of the system. Isn't that what it is? Because he's trying to break free of the system. Well, he infects Bane the character Bane in the second one and his mind is re reprinted onto Bane's mind. And so now he's in control of the character Bane out of the matrix. Why doesn't he do that with a bunch of people? Why, does why he do doesn't he just back? go and live outside of the matrix? I don't really understand <laughs> yeah, what that's about. Does... Yeah. I'm just well, cause he talks like... about his prerogative. There's like more to him than just defending the system. He wants to destroy it or something. Right. But what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> why <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but so, like so, also like by destroying it why are you like he just wants to take everything down like he's just he wants to destroy everything humans uh, robots the system i've got a bigger plot hole i don't, I, I don't even know if that's a plot hole i just that's something that the whole through i thought they were gonna maybe a touch on it by the end of the third one and i still walked away being like but why what is his motivation to keep going yeah he's out like go be out <laughs> yeah I don't really get that. Sorry, Jeff. What? Right. Or, or once he's out, establish him doing something with his motivation. Yeah. Like either, he just either tries to kill live. Neil. That's it. He's just trying to kill Neil. Like it just doesn't. But I think that the the answer might lie in the fact that he's not a human trying to go live a human life. He's a program trying to fill out a or trying to succeed in a an objective. And so his objective does not. You know, have him go join the orgasm or the uh, the uh, orgasm <laughs> orgy, the orgy the, dancing the party, weird rave orgy. Yeah, yeah. It's, Dude, it's, that was I skipped through. I fast forwarded through those scenes. Thank you, HBO Max, for having the skip thirty seconds yeah, it's on weird. my tablet. I was it's like, weird. this is fucking. Morpheus dumb. is like shirtless up there, like <laughs> <laughs> they're all like licking each other's metal holes. That was yeah. so weird. Ooh, was like, I'm not that's gross. There's literally a minute long rave orgy cut together between with neo and trinity making out and i was just like i'm hating i'm hating this this is so long i already have have declared on this podcast i don't like when people kiss on screen it's very weird looking and a lot of weird wet noises not a fan that was hard for i i literally had to skip it but back to the point as a program he has no interest in going to live a life he has an interest in you know, fulfilling whatever purpose and his purpose has 
changed from defending the system to destroying the system, correct? Which is fine, yeah. I mean, I, I remember there was a viral video that Brian and I watched a while back, and I think, Jeff, you probably did too, um, where it, it says that Agent Smith is the actual one, that the, in, the interpretation of the yeah, one was incorrect. Good. And I haven't watched that video in a while. I, I meant to watch it before we recorded, but I didn't get around to it um, this weekend. But as I remember it, it was sort of like, well, like the one is the person who's supposed to bring down the system, but they, they show through the architect that all of the previous, the ones who are humans end up restarting the matrix every time. Right. So, but the agent Smith, once he breaks free from the system, which is the signifier of the one, his sole directive is to tear down the matrix and end it. So maybe he is the actual one. I think yeah, that was like the I, crux actually, of the argument. I, I have it right here, if you don't mind, if I take a minute to just kind of summarize it. We only it. have so long on this recording, so maybe we can touch base on that a little bit later. But um, or, or you can just watch it in the background and not talk for a minute. It's not a video. It's a, just a paragraph right up. Summary. What? Oh, you want to read it? That's I was going to read yeah, a second just to help make sure we touch it. So it says, if you don't automatically assume that uh, Neo is the one and you open yourself up to like the possibility of there being uh, a couple of different candidates, um, this, this theory with like, he might fit the bill better. Um, basically, uh, the first thing we know about the one is that it will be a a person born inside of the matrix in the strictest sense, Thomas Anderson or Neo is not born in the matrix. Right. He's born in a pod in the real world. That, and he's like a human battery, right? Yep. And it's just his brain that's plugged in. Agent Smith, on the other hand, is part of the Matrix code and is created or born inside of the Matrix. So there's the first step towards him being the one. Um, the one is capable of manipulating the code of the Matrix. So that really narrows down the candidate field. Neo can do this, but Smith can too. So he's still alive. After Neo unplugs Smith from the Matrix at the end of the first film, he's able to slowly start changing parts of it himself. Uh, that's that's Smith changing the code. Uh, let's see. In the end, uh, they fuse together, Neo and Agent Smith, which means that Smith joins with the Source, which is the stated eventual goal of the One. So basically, Neo isn't so much the One as he is the conduit by which Agent Smith is used to be the One. Right. Um, it pretty much happens against his will, although uh, willingness is not a prerequisite for this, um, for being the one. Um, just a really interesting concept, especially when you know we understand in a loose sense that the purpose of the one is to take down the system, and that's all Smith is trying to do. So you almost yeah. think that the humans would just be focusing on unplugging as many people as they can, and then saying, "Yeah, go ahead and nuke this motherfucker," you know? Right. Yeah, and for those who are interested, I will uh, I will put the links to the uh, write-ups that I read from thisisbarry.com, and also I'll try to find that video that we watched a few years back, um, and I'll put that in the, uh, in the episode description um, so that people can follow those links, because I do think that they're interesting uh, to, to, pay, to, to think about. Um, so... Yeah, um, there's also another candidate that they don't really touch on, but I think is actually a really good candidate for being the one where they introduce this character of the kid who they explore his story in the Animatrix, which did either of you guys watch that on mm-hmm. our recommendation? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the kid 
Um, he shows up when after that fight with Agent Smith when the uh, the Nebuchadnezzar um, gets back to Zion, and he shows up and he's like obsessed with Neo, mm. and he keeps saying like, "You saved my life, like you found me." And Neo said, "I didn't save you, you found me." So they give a backstory for the kid in the Animatrix, and apparently they explore him a little bit better in two of the video games. Um, but he actually freed himself from the Matrix. He was a kid in high school, and everything felt weird to him, and he didn't believe, like, like he was, like, you know, he was a weird kid in school. He was kind of an outcast, and he knew something was wrong, and somehow his mind was so strong that he was able to wake himself up from the Matrix um, without help. He didn't have to take a red pill or anything like that. He just found his way out on his own, and I think that's a more interesting character for the one than Neo. You know what I mean? Like someone who found their own way out is really uh, an interesting character. I, isn't that the whole point of the very first one is supposed to be someone who just woke up on their own? So I'm kind of feeling like that is the one storyline. Right, right. I, I wonder. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the kid will play into the newer movie, um, Revolution or Resurrections or whatever, um, a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, in reloaded we also get introduced to a, another program and that is the architect in one of the most baffling scenes in cinema history it is so hard to follow i have a relatively wide vocabulary and i was like pausing it going back listening to Dictionary, it again, trying yeah. to capture like i mean they made fun of it in that scary movie um one of them like number three or four or something like that scary where three. um yeah. Oh man, they nailed that scene. George Carlin is yes. just using yeah. big words, and they're like, "What?" And he's like, "Does that not make sense?" And he just pulls out a dictionary, and he just starts using other big <laughs> words. <laughs> he's just like, "I don't know. I don't know what any of this means." <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, I the, that's the main reason I had I like straight up paused the movie, went and read the description of what he was talking about, and then pressed play with an understanding, and still struggled to keep up. It is baffling. Um. That being said, what we find out is that he's the creator of all the Matrix iterations. And what he tells Neo is that there's six previous or there's five previous the ones and he's the sixth or there's six previous the ones and he's the seventh. He's number six. Oh, no, it's been six. So he's number seven. I think. Okay. And on the screen in the background, I got confused about this and I mentioned it to you guys. Um, my confusion there where he says, um, well, there's the, the screens in the background are showing Neo reacting to the different things that he's saying. And I thought that those were recordings of the previous six, the ones signifying that the one is always Neo, which made me think that they were introducing some sort of time travel. What I'm actually starting to pick up is that those are all the possible outcomes of what how he would react to it. It's his understanding of how like he can predict things somewhat in similarly to the Oracle. He can see all possible outcomes and the one that is actually happening is different. One thing that doesn't, that kind of throws a, 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 a wrench in there is um, when he says uh, uh, to Neo something like, you know, like you're, you're, you're the sixth or you're the seventh possible outcome or something like that or something. Like, and like everyone reacts like, or you're not the first, the one who's come to me or something and he says like how many instead of like what or you're lying or bullshit or something like that and he's like oh that was much faster than any of the previous iterations which made me think okay well was it neo that was reacting or is he 
just the you know like what I, I guess I just I didn't really understand. We never get that answer, do we? That it's like it's not that whether it's Keanu re, like Neo every time or whether it's different no, people. I think that it has to not be Keanu every time because that doesn't make any sense, right? Like it can't it can't possibly be Neo every time because then there's a time travel situation. Or are they cloning him or something? Why why would they keep putting him into the system? <laughs> I don't understand. Right. It has um, to be it has to be randomized. Well, um, he also he, says in this moment that that the one is actually a part of the programming of the matrix. Like once the one wakes up, that signifies that it's time to restart the program all over again and put humans back into this, into this world again. Right. Um, which is interesting, I guess. Um, but it, I guess it also like, wouldn't, don't you guys think that you would be less inclined to leave the matrix if you had siblings? Like if someone told you, we're in a simulation. Everything's a simulation. You have to leave everything behind. Um, wouldn't you have a harder time given that we have a, a bit of a stronger family unit, you know, between the three of us and our parents who we all talk to um, and are on good standing with? Like, it seems like Neo is kind of like an outcast who doesn't really have a family unit, right? Wouldn't you program a stronger family unit around him so that he's less likely to leave? Or would you guys just also just like dip? <laughs> Superpowers? <laughs> trinity yeah uh, um, it's i mean that's that seems like an obvious thing like you think you would give him this incredible life give right. him wealth give him stuff to lose and then like instead of having him be this shitty like living in a weird brick apartment yeah living this horrible shit. life where they're like fall the right rabbit he's like all right fuck it like, yeah, well, I also wonder if that's what they're going to do with Resurrections. I mean, it looks like, as I've said, it looks like The Matrix maybe exists as a film inside the universe to kind of make people be like, okay, yeah, like The Matrix exists, all right, bud. And then put the one as the person who is the actor in The Matrix, so that there's no way that he's going to leave, you know, and you make him rich, you make him famous, you make it, you know what I mean? Like, you do all of those things, and then maybe he's less inclined, and, you know, I don't know. Sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, so the process of the the film introduces in the first one is that uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, takes the red pill. He wakes up in this pod, uh, and he's got this fucking thing stuck down his throat. He unplugs himself. The egg that he's in detects that he's a malfunctioning battery and spits him out into the sewers. If the machine was capable of, you think that the machine would be capable of recognizing people would be waking up? Why the fuck are they? Did they go create a program that hunts people that are about to wake up? And instead, why wouldn't it just kill anything that wakes up inside of its egg? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I, I think doesn't he fight a like a machine at that point or something? It, it comes over and it's like all like coming at him, and he just like freaks out and gets sucked down like a tube. I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I I did not watch the first Matrix this week, so I'm I'm a I'm a bit back on that one. But I did just watch it like a year ago, so I I, I just don't remember that uh, sticking out to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, why? Not? Yeah, you would think that they would have some sort of like, oh, he's waking up. Like we have a fucking tube down his throat, right? Poison right down there. Yep, acidic, you know, some sort of acid, burn his insides out. We don't care. We're machines. Just do right. it inhumanely. It's, Who it's gives all, a fuck? It's all batteries. Yeah, exactly. Like, just fucking kill it. I don't care. Um, nope. They Well, we also find out that it, with this conversation with the architect that they've destroyed Zion 
six fucking times, which means the human race has to keep rebuilding. Now, here's a question that that brings up for me. How the fuck did we build all like somehow rebuild our civilization to have these mechs and yet our apartments are still fucking shitty prison rooms like made of cement walls and like we don't have like couches all of our clothes are somehow just like linen and and like like heavy cottons but like, I'm, yeah i'm almost wondering if it's like the robots kill them but then don't blow up the city they just kind of leave it in ruins but there's stuff to like salvage and like that's why we have seen it like in kind of states of disrepair because they just keep like coming back and repopulating it and it's just shittier and shittier every time or something. <laughs> that seems dumb. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know the answer. I mean, it, this kind of goes with like, why is Zion keep getting built up in the first place? Why don't they just wipe it off the face of the earth completely and never allow humans to repopulate there? Why well, do they wait until it's a threat? What they say is we destroy all the people who are in Zion, but the one gets to pick 23 people, uh, 13 men and seven women, which I feel hard. I feel bad for the women. Um, in that situation um, but they give them that and then those people they're the ones who repopulate Zion it's like well why even give them that option yeah why is that a thing because we keep plugging ourselves back in and waking people up to kind of repopulate like I don't I don't get they, that I think really that explanation I sent you the other day tried to explain that sometimes the like the matrix doesn't matrix doesn't take and it causes humans to like not you know like conform as a human battery and they wake up or right. somehow reject the system and what the machines have calculated is that it's more efficient to allow them to like like group up for instead the ones of, that want to escape they're like okay fine, yeah just go be instead out of dealing with little pocket resistances all over the globe they allow them to group up and then every so often they just come through and clean it out Exactly. And that's, it's kind of an efficiency thing that you would totally be able to buy that a robot would, you know, also come to just that still seems dumb because they literally have a tube down their throat. Yeah. And like they're waking why, up, just kill them. And then why not have the have system just go, eh, eh, dude's awake. Uh Oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> self-destruct. Like why even let them? Yeah. It's weird when you start to think that the machines are like, Oh yeah, no, this is just part of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that what, what, I mean, we're get, we're running up here on time. So I'm going to, probably just say cut it off there and get into recommendations i think the, the fact of the matter is any movie that you look this far into um you're gonna find things that don't necessarily make sense and i think that they had a herculean effort the wachowski uh, sisters did um like you know creating this world and i think it is still an interesting world and i actually do think that there are merits to these sequels i didn't think they were as bad as people made me think that they were i don't think that they get even close to as good as the first one does but it is still an interesting world and I had fun kind of working on it. And I think I probably had more fun reading about it and then watching the Animatrix, which we didn't get into on this conversation. But I do suggest that you guys watch that. Um, I would compare it to uh, um, Star Wars Visions, which uh, will probably be in my recommendations here in a second. Um, or uh, what is that one? Love, Death and Robots that we watched. It's just like, you know, like three to, to ten minute uh like little animes from different production houses that um tell different stories within the universe the first one in it is uh is a history of how the matrix was built and how the human war or human robot war started um and it was worth uh watching i liked it quite a lot um that being said let's move into recommendations uh jeff what have you been up to recently uh let's see so i've been watching uh hbo show titans um 
I, I, I recommend it if you like the first two seasons. It's it's about on par with the, the first two. Not great, but um, entertaining for superhero content, especially if you're a fan of uh, Nightwing or, or the Teen Titans in general. Um, Which are, I, like, your favorite – some of your favorite DC characters. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's enjoyable. I, I Not the direction that I personally would have liked the show to go, but still an enjoyable watch. Um, good action and, and decent acting. Um, I also watched Long Halloween Part 1 and 2. Where did you get it? I bought it on my Amazon account. Your your Amazon account? I'm going to get your logins now because yeah. I, I wanted to watch that so bad this week. I can't believe it's not on HBO yet. Um, anyway, was it good? It's good. It's good. I, I still have to go through and read the, the comic books to uh, compare it to the... Uh, oh, you haven't read them? Oh, it's it's on my login on, on Comicsology. I, I, I haven't um, downloaded it on one of my devices. I just haven't. It is read. probably my favorite Batman comic of all time. Uh, I think it's really good. Um, so, yeah. Um, cool. Anything else what? you've been yeah. up to? Yeah, so uh, my, one of my really close friends who watches anime like I do got a subscription to Funimation, and I went through and caught up on Attack on Titan... I caught up on My Hero Academia, I'm catching up on Black Clover, and then after that I'm going to catch up on Boruto and Fire Force, so you can expect a lot more uh, anime talk from me. Oh, great. Uh, but My Hero Academia is... Uh, actually, I'm not a huge fan of where they've taken My Hero Academia. It's a little bit slower, um, a little bit more focused on like the villains, and I didn't think they'd do a fantastic job, but that and um, Marvel What If is still putting out great content. Um, cool. I'm enjoying all of their stuff lately. Those are my suggestions. That's good. Brian, what have you been up to? Um, I'm trying to maximize the value of my Apple subscription before it runs out. I think my free year for getting an iPad is like coming up here in October. I have to double check it, but been watching C season two, uh, the Jason Momoa. Yeah, didn't they show. introduce Dave Batista? Yeah, he's his older brother that hates his guts and wants to kill him. So super cool. Um, really enjoying that storyline. That really high quality show. They, I've talked about it before on here, but they do an amazing job of like, you know, having this world where everybody's blind and, and like showing how humans would adapt in that situation. Um, other than that, uh, we kind of started to backtrack and try to watch like sequel seasons from shows that we watched, you know, the original season for. Uh, right now, we're working on Lost in Space season two. Uh, so a little behind on that one, but uh, enjoying it so far. First few episodes. Canceled. Really? Yeah. I think they, uh, they they get a season three and then it's out. Um, huh. Any? Did you watch that new Asimov show yet? Not yet, not yet. Okay. I, I I might end up extending my subscription if, just to kind of keep watching. If stuff. that is good, if you give it a shot and that's good, then I might be paying for Apple TV because that's coming out and looks really good. And then um, Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell are coming out with a new movie based on a podcast that Kelly and I listened to called the. Uh, the the psychiatrist next door or something the shrink next door i think where a guy a shrink basically takes over this rich guy's life which is super crazy real world story um and the movie looks funny so i really want to watch that and that's going to be coming on apple tv so i might be doing a subscription to that soon um but if awesome if that asimov show is good then i will definitely be paying for it because i like isaac asimov quite a lot um anything else that you've been watching brian that's it or, for me. Have you been? How's Ghost of Tsushima? Are you almost done with it? Or I haven't picked playing? it up since last time I talked about it. I honestly oh, wow. haven't really been gaming very much. Cool. Um, well, I uh, am. I've been running uh, pretty low in the process of uh, finalizing purchase on the house, um, and then I was out of town. But 
and then the matrix obviously took up a lot of time uh this week um watched a movie called blast from the past last night it's a 90s movie with brendan frazier and alicia silverstone very fun still holds up it's it's pretty ridiculous but it's fun um i uh i tried watching cowboy bebop talked to jeff about this um i thought it was really good didn't really grab me in the way that i was hoping it would but uh i'm excited for the live action show that's coming out i think it's on netflix i think like i think maybe being updated for our times might might work for me a little bit better um maybe hopefully a little bit more modern jazz as opposed to the the jazz that they used in the uh, anime because that was really throwing me every time they introduced it um what else i think that's pretty much it for me i i like i said i've just been really busy and i've been out of town a lot over the last couple weeks so um that being said uh i think we can wrap it up there anybody out there listening want to give their thoughts on the matrix um sequels i will uh we'll bring it up maybe we'll introduce a new uh segment here where we uh we talk about other people's thoughts and kind of answer any questions here. So send your thoughts in on what you thought about the matrix, or if you've seen the animatrix, I'd love to talk to somebody about that. So hit us up. Um, we are at clever kids podcast at gmail.com or um, at clever kids pod on Instagram. Um, otherwise I will say uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks guys. Bye everyone. Good job.